Welcome to The LaBelda Show Women of Power Podcast, the show where women share their personal power tools, the techniques, strategies, and ways of being which have enabled their business and life success. I'm your host, LaBelda Vincenzi, a female speaker, mentor, speaker, and event host on a mission to unleash authentic, powerful female voices onto the world. In today's episode, we'll be uncovering the power tools of Michelle Raymond. She's an HR specialist, business coach, certified master NLP practitioner, and award-winning international TEDx speaker, on a mission to make the invisible visible. For more than a decade, Michelle has leveraged her research on work and the leadership paradigm of women in business and leadership, highlighting the psychological barriers that seem to hold them back and shining a light on strategies and insights that deal with the imposter syndrome. Michelle has become a respected and in-demand business coach, keynote speaker, and authority on how to use strategic networking in an impactful way. Her most talked about speech, how to elevate your inner circle of influence with key people of influence is both controversial and persuasive, leaving listeners with easy to implement actionable takeaways to create power relationships that last. Michelle, who is also an international trainer on leadership, communication and public speaking skills has been featured in people management, HR Grapevine, The Guardian, and Sky TV, and is best known for her people empowerment slogan, hashtag ask for more. In this episode, Michelle bears all on how she evaluates and selects people in her life who support her success. Remember, all of the links shared in the show can be found in the show notes, and the only way to ensure that you get your regular fix of the show is to hit that subscribe button right now to make sure that you get updates as soon as a new show is added. This is quite enough for me for now, so let's get on with the show. Hey ladies, welcome back to the Lavelda Show Women of Power podcast. It's me again. I'm back with yet another incredible guest. Do you know what? I'm having so much fun. Like, I didn't think these interviews were going to be quite so exciting. My guests are incredible. It helps that they're all, pretty much all of them are very dear friends of mine. And the new, my guest today is like no exception. So I have known Michelle Raymond for like, I can't even remember where we met. It's been at least a good five, six years, probably longer than that. Mm -hmm. Um, What I love about Michelle is, she is out there doing it like this is you know when you meet somebody and they're kind of starting out and they're doing stuff and then you find them like years later and you kind of go girl please you still in the same (laughs) doggone place you was at way back when that is not Michelle I'd be looking on her social media and I'm like where in the world are you now like you're in Dubai and you're on you know magazine covers and all sorts of things she's taken HR and people management but she also does a huge amount of PR related activities because she's used it herself really effectively so please be upstanding welcome to the stage my guest for today Michelle Raymond you aren't watching us on YouTube. You were missing out on most of the crack. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hi. Love it. I love your introduction. Well, do you know what? You know, there's pressure. There's pressure for an MC to to introduce guests to a show. I'm getting yeah. into it now. I'm like, yeah. I found my groove. Yeah, um, Michelle, yeah. I know you really well, but there'll be people listening to whom this is the first time they've heard of Michelle Raymond. I'm wondering what rock they've been under, but please educate them. Oh, educate. Well, 
I'm Michelle Raymond. I am a HR consultant and a business growth coach. And what that means in a nutshell, keeping it really simple, I work with two types of clients. So one type of client are organizations. Uh, they're not startups, they're businesses that have been running for a number of years. They have staff and I deal with all their HR outsourcing. So that could be, which I do a lot of hiring and firing. Um, and I do recruitment, I do training and development, I look after the remuneration package. So I have a team of people and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. I, lo- um, I love that side in the terms of, you know, hiring the new people and getting the new people really embedded. I don't like the firing side. I'm not sure but, I know anybody who does. It's not a pleasant no, experience. It is not. It's not. And, um, and there's a lot of the type, that type of work that I am now just trying to automate in terms of the policies and procedures. But the other side is where I excel and I love the most. And that's working with people to get them more visible. Because working in HR, I see that there's so many people with great expertise. Um, they have so much knowledge and competence, but no one knows them. So they don't get promoted. They don't get put into a particular positions of power because no one doesn't know them. And I see that in the entrepreneurial space as well. So I love being able to get people more visible. I love you saying that because it's, it's sometimes it can be quite difficult to put those two things together. Like surely like, why would you be doing visibility when you're doing HR? Mm. But the truth is I like, I love how you've communicated that whether it's in a corporate environment or as a entrepreneur out there creating your own environment, actually in order to progress, we can't do it without people knowing what the heck it is that we do, who we are, what makes us shine. Do you see a disparity between um, men and women when it comes to visit? Let's just say visibility Visibility. in general, putting themselves out there. All the time, all the time. When I am hiring, when I do recruitment campaigns, I, the guys will come in and they will, they've applied for a role. And I think my last recent one was about that. Somebody was applying for a role around 70 K and he came in and he was very confident and said, you know, he can do this. And, but he's looking for 85 K. Wow. I was like, okay, well the role was 70 K. Okay, fine. The next person we interviewed was a woman and she was so apologetic for not being able to meet, 100% 100% of the criteria. The guy, he never met 100% of the criteria. But as far as he's concerned, he was still the right person for the job. So the lady, she was, oh, we asked her a question. She was like, well, I'm not too sure I'm too good at that, but I can do this. And so I said, you know, what are your salary expectations? And she said 65K. And I was, On the button. Exactly what you asked for. And And she probably thought she was doing well because she asked for the exactly it, not any lower. Yeah. So it was like, well, what is this person saying? Why didn't she say 70? As she knows it's advertised at 70. She went in lower because I think she was hoping to stand a better chance. We didn't take her. We didn't take her. And we actually took the guy and we started him on 70 and we said in six months we'll review and then we will increase his payment. Wow. So the confidence pays. It confidence pays. Yeah. I mean, it's it really, inter- yeah, it's <laughs> interesting to hear. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear that because I think um, often as women, there's this saying like we, you know, we'll doubt ourselves. It's, we look at it very black and white. There's certain things we're very black and white about. This is what you need. Oh, I can do most of them because I can't do all of them. 
that's what you get if you can do all of them. So I'm not yes. going to push because that's going to be too cheeky. And what you're saying is this guy couldn't do all of them anyway, came yeah. in and asked for even more than what you were offering. Yeah. And but he ended up with a job, a job um, role with, with, the, with it being very clear that he wants to progress versus, yes. okay, thank you. Tick, tick. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. And we wanted to find somebody who could hit the ground running. We wanted somebody who was, who had the confidence and the bravado to um, deal with our stakeholders and deal with board members. So she just came across as a bit more shy and reserving and probably she would be in a better cultural fit within the organization, but the organization had to look at two parts. So once again, it's how are you showing up in your best version of you Mm -hmm. to get the job or to get clients? It works the same thing. The principles will remain the same. Wow. So what is it you think makes a woman powerful? You know what? I think what makes a woman powerful is tapping into both their masculine and feminine polarity. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is I know where I show up my best and become more visible is I know when to use my feminine charms and when I, you know, I'd be a bit more, um, nurturing as women are are naturally more nurturers and I know when I need to be a bit more bullshit where I know I need to to stand up and be counted and I think what the the females who really show up and are truly powerful know when to use when know how much of each to use as well so you don't cross the line of being arrogant and so I think that's where true women show up and be powerful definitely so what kind of traits would you say are kind of more masculine and what sort of things would you think of as more feminine? Cause it's, I'm yeah. guessing it's not to do with what I'm, what you're wearing. It's not my cute no. hairstyle today. Nah, nah. And I just, I think it's knowing when to women, like I said before, they they are more that nurturer and want to do the right thing, want to be the kind and all of that. And that's great. And it has its place. But I find that when I'm, putting a proposal together, I need to make sure in my written proposal that my tonality is coming across quite kind and quite um, nurturing and loving. And yes, we can do this for you. And these are the add-on values that we can do. But I'm making sure my masculine polarity shows up in my written proposal by saying, this is what you're going to get. This is how we're going to deliver it. And these are the T's and C's, you know? And so when I show up in person, when I then say to them, you know, for this amount of work, it's going to cost this. My masculine um, polarity shows up by giving them a figure and then zip it. And I know where I've not exercised that is when I've said, oh, it's going to be this, but you'll get this. Nah. So I'm learning now to say the figure and to step back. Yeah. Just shut up and let it be. Yeah. Let it sit. Let it simmer. Let them have a moment. It's really interesting because I worked in sales for so many years. And so it became a skill I learned very well. Like just don't apologize. You put the number out there and you just let them be with it. But there's a confidence in that. I think this is what people can miss. Actually, the more you talk and the more you justify, what it says is this number doesn't stand by itself. And if they have 
questions they'll ask, right? They'll yeah. say, can you give me a bit more information? In which case you answer the question and only the question. The question. Yeah. You give too much. I think we women want to, we, it's once again, it's that, that confidence around money and stuff. It's, I want to say this figure, but I better explain it. And I'm such an explainer at the best of times. So I had to really learn just to say the figure and shut up and just then lean back. And to see the reaction because I know I'm doing it. And let it come through. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I had to learn that because I was an explainer. Oh, you get this and you get this, you get this, you get this, you get this. And sometimes it's too overwhelming anyway. And sometimes you just need to sit back. I think the best way I've found to support clients in moving past this is to say, go into it like the future version of you. So you want to be doing that sales meeting as if you had more than enough clients. Because if you had more than enough clients, you wouldn't explain shit. Right. <laughs> like you just right. wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes just having that moment before you go into the meeting or reading the proposal, like taking a moment, maybe meditating or just mm. like getting into the zone and fast forwarding, kind of going, okay, I'm now the six figure, seven figure, eight figure business owner. And I have a team of people who are delivering this mm. and I'm fully booked. Yeah, yeah. Because trust me, when you're fully booked, you engage very differently. And the fully totally. booked person, they want you more, right? Totally. But the other person, they're kind of like, girl, you're so desperate. Mm, yeah. I can yeah. negotiate because this is what happens in the buyer's yeah. mind. Oh, yeah. they need this so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can get a deal. Whereas, you know, when you go to buy something and when they're fully booked, you're just like, oh, I better make, A, I better make a decision really quickly. Yeah. And secondly, if I don't, somebody else will. So yeah. there's, there's less of that kind of toing and froing and negotiating. Mm -hmm. It feels counterintuitive as a woman, but I can yeah. tell you, Michelle it and works. I are going to tell you it, it works. works. It works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Good. It works. So you had a, sh I'm swearing today. I don't know what it is. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just having one of those days. I think it's the drilling that's going on at my house at the moment. So um, you have done, a shit ton of stuff, like in terms of the sorts of people that you've worked with. I mean, you sang on stage with Stormzy, this girl. Yeah, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. At the Brit Awards, it's ridiculous, right? The yeah. woman is living a multiple lives. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't think that this little slither is who Michelle is. There's so, so many layers, so yeah. many incredible layers. So what would you say have been, I'm going to have you distill it, like mm -hmm. seriously distill it, all of that amazing awesomeness. If you had to say there were three tools three power tools three like techniques or strategies or ways of being that have been the core of what's allowed you to become who you are today and that drive who you continue to be what would they be should we start with number one right i would definitely say a level of commitment a lot of people say you know they want to do this they want to do that but for me, if I'm going to do something, I am all in. Not half, not 30%, not 50%, not 60%. I'm all in. And for me, I think my level of commitment to something has allowed me to stand out. And, and when I say level of commitment, I even commit to things that I don't need to commit to. But I do that because I want a, a part, I, I feel that commitment is a part of my DNA. Mm -hmm. So even if I don't have to commit to something, I'm going to be fully supportive of something. So I think my level of commitment is 
far outweighs a lot of people that I know who are doing what I'm doing. When I say that, okay, I think my, my turning point and why I think this happened is um, I, I did a TEDx talk and I shared the story when I was married to my ex-husband and I was in the press for all the wrong reasons um, and I suffered from depression and I dropped out of society so I became so invisible mm. and when I had that trigger of change and I committed to myself that when I get out of this shit I'm going to commit fully. I'm going to show up fully and I'm not going away. So that was my driving force. So that's why when uh, I've taken on recently a number of contracts, training contracts with the, with, uh, the media industry and I'm committed to that. So I will cancel everything else. I won't take up any other uh, projects because I'm focused and committed to the work at hand. So if they want me to come in at a certain time, if they want me to deliver this and speak to their stakeholders, I'm doing it like I'm a part of the organization. They are actually contracting my services, but they will not know, the end user will not know the difference. They don't know that I don't work for the company, that I'm not employed because I work like I'm committed to the company. I, I can say the same thing, and I'm sure that even Simone, ooh, that dog's moving. Simone will testify to it that even the type, the work that I'm doing with him, I'm 100% totally committed to it. So when people will come to, if people have come to me and said, oh, "I would like to work with you," I say no because you only know me through GTEx. Mm-hmm. So you work to, with me through GTEx. Yeah. So it's a level of integrity as well. I mean, I, I love that. It's, it's not the first time it's come up. Um, there was an episode, a few episodes back with Debbie Gilbert, and she spoke about, um, she spoke about turning down a thousand pound speaking engagement because she'd already said yes to speaking engagement, even though it wasn't paid. And there's a lot to be said for commitment. What's interesting. I kind of want to extend on that because I am getting a new understanding of commitment. It's kind of weird, right? I mean, it's going to sound like I'm, you know, it's the bleeding obvious, but sometimes some stuff just takes a moment. Okay. So just bear with me. Right. So my new, my new understanding is, do you know, it's easier to commit to stuff when you have less stuff you committed to. (laughs) Right. Right. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. And and it comes down to prioritizing in your time and what's important And yeah, I I totally agree with Debbie that sometimes you have to forego, you know, some of the things that you do want because you have committed to others and you just have to prioritise. That's just how it is. And it's all a part of your personal brand at the end of the day. What people think of you is what you're emitting. I just think when you stop and go for depth, right? So I watch people and they're launching like six different things at the same time. And I'm kind of like, mm, the reason it's not working is because you kind of skim launching <laughs> a bunch of stuff. But if you really sat down and thought, I'm going to do this properly, you would commit to the hours it's going to take to write the marketing material or maybe do the videos and really kind of go a lot deeper go into in. it. 
such that you've got more time to really make it work. But I think maybe it's, we hear a lot of these things where it's really quick and it's really easy. And the truth of the matter is it's quick and it's easy once the infrastructure is in place. place. Yeah. (laughs) And you've tested it and you worked it a few times and you've built your audience. You know, Katia spoke about building audiences. Like you've built your audience to a point and you earn that engagement from people that they can see what you've got. Yeah, then you can drop a product in like a moment and, you know, a ton of people are going to buy but until then yeah sometimes I think us ladies just need to do less <laughs> yeah we need to do less and I even say to my clients pick something and stick stick to it for one year mm-hmm. and they like freak out oh yeah my god what if it doesn't go work and I said you have to give it a good amount of time to know if it's going to work or not so let's give it a year and see what happens then. And then if it doesn't, at least you've learned some new skills and acquired some new, you know, new ways of working in that year. But I like to give, you know, to really give it as much time as is needed to make something work. And that's often why so many businesses don't work as well. Yeah. It's like, I started it, I ran it for like three months. You kind of have to ask your question like, or I ran it for three years, but did you really? Like, did you really get up and live and breathe that thing? Like, did you really, you know, when you did that launch, when you did that campaign, did you really come at it from every single angle that you could come at it with? Mm -hmm. Or were you doing about six or seven things at the same time? And, you know, you kind of sort of did a bit of it. And then it wasn't really getting enough traction because truth be known, you didn't give it enough attention. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you're just going to look at the fact that it didn't give you no results. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, all what you're saying is so correct. Yeah, everyone just wants a quick win nowadays, though, don't they? I, I mean, I, I know I can fall into that trap too. I've just learned to start doing less and yeah. going a little bit deeper, like just falling in love with some of the processes and yeah. playing around with it. And yeah, uh, but I love this idea of like, give it a year. Yeah, give it a year and see what happens. You, and you'd be so surprised at the results you get when you commit for a year. Well, it's lit- you don't have to go so health leather then, right? It's kind of like, I'm just going to go to the gym three times a week for a year, right? You do that for a year, your body, trust me, your body's going to look real different by the end of that year mm-hmm. versus let me do an intense something and then I'm going to go back to eat my cakes over summer. Right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Stop, start. So the first one's commitment. What would be your second power tool? So the second is actually linked to commitment. And for me, it's about focus, deep focus Mm. um I remember reading a book that was recommended to me and I think it was called Deep Work by Cal Newport and it's about getting rid of all the distractions and just focusing on what you like your zone of genius and for me when I read it I thought that is such a game changer and I know that when I need to focus I have to turn my Facebook off I have to take my notifications of WhatsApp I actually have to use a tomato timer because I can get distracted so easily um, and I work from home and then when I'm working from home I like to go in the kitchen and fix something to eat and then I thought oh, I want to do the washing while I'm at home you know what it's such a distraction and I've actually paid to have office space so that I can leave my house and do the work because I know I, I, you need to know yourself, right? Yeah. Know yourself. And I know I'm easily distracted. So that deep focus and it's paid off in dividends because when I can, I can charge a client a certain amount of work and I can get it done in an hour because Mm -hmm. I focused. I know where I've cheated myself, where I've said, I've, 
I've charged them, you know, the same amount of money and it's taken me three weeks to do. And then I've worked out, I'm only getting paid like 50 pounds an hour. How's that happened? Because I didn't focus. <laughs> so it, it pays when you focus your time and focus your energy on something. And I'll give you an example where I did that. And I am very good at absorbing information. Sorry, I keep doing this because I've got really small ears and my, my headphones keep falling out. <laughs> so anyway, that's falling out. Yeah, my head, my ears are so tiny. So well, the um, things we are learning today. Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so in, um, so remember in 2019, 2019, when uh, GDPR came about. Mm -hmm. So... I decided, my thing is, whenever there's something new happens that becomes topical, my, my, my mission in life is to absorb as much information and disseminate that information in a simple way and make some money out of it, yeah? Mm -hmm. And I'll be helping people at the same time. So the GDPR, and obviously I, was, I do HR consultancy, so I'm always dealing with data and data protection. But I absorbed everything that was on that ICO website I internalized it all and I thought, okay. And I wrote my little notes and I did a little flow diagram. So then I decided, uh, so I went to church. When I got home from church, I said to my husband, just record me simplifying GDPR for businesses that cannot afford to hire a data protection officer. Mm -hmm. Once again, this is how the focus comes in. And I did this seven minute video and I uploaded it on LinkedIn. And over a week, within a week, I got over 25,000 views. And I had people ringing my phone saying, Michelle, I need your services. And I had to create a package. And I had different packages from, from £600 to, I think, 1250 And I worked with a data protection officer and created a kit that people who couldn't afford a DPO could buy. Yeah. And literally, that just comes down to focusing on something. And I stopped everything else I was doing, mm -hmm. focus on that. Yeah, pay dividends. <laughs> it's got to be done. That's a beautiful story. It's got to be done. But I love. I also love what you say in there about doing it your way because we we're not. There's not like a one size fits all. Like I hear people going, get up and do. You know, have your power hour in the morning. Some people can't do that, right? <laughs> like for me, I know my strategy is if there's something I've got to get done. Um, there's another book. I want to say, I think it was Debbie as well who mentioned it. Yeah. You two talk about similar sort of things. Yeah, I love, I love Debbie. We talk, we, we talk quite well, actually. We talk quite often. <laughs> um, and, you know, starting with the, the worst things first and working through them. But I know if there's something I need to do consistently, I will, I, I like the, I, the egg timer. I sit down, I'll yeah. put a timer on my phone, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. switch everything else off, and I won't stop until I finish it. If I'm creating a product... I will literally, I will stop answering my email because <laughs> yeah. it creates a level of stress for me, yeah. which creates a level of focus, right? So I won't answer any emails. I'm not doing any lives. I'm not putting any content out. Like I pretty much block my diary out mm -hmm. until such, like, until this is done, I'm not doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing at all. I had gone so bad as to be like, I'm not going to have, I'm not getting up to have something to eat or I'm not getting up to leave the house until this is done. Because at okay. some point, like, honestly, the level of hunger and frustration and stress and angst, I'm like, just get it done. <laughs> you know what, Lefelda, I'm going to share something with you, just as you said that. Do you know what? Where every time I, I take 
speaking on stage really seriously. And I believe that it shouldn't be just for people, well, you know, let me be careful what I'm gonna say first. <laughs> right, I take it seriously to the point that I feel that I have a duty to share something which is gonna make an impact. So uh -huh. it can't be wishy-washy. I can't, it can't be just anecdotal. It's got to be fact and it's got to make a difference. I do this and I take my time and I rehearse and I do all that I need to do. I don't have sex with hubby a day before I have to do a speaking. Do you know that? Because it messes with my mind when I'm on stage. So this is cool focus. This is focus. He don't get nothing from me. And, and you know, I get a lot of speaking engagements. So you go walking stuff from me. Oh my God. <laughs> he don't get that much because I've got speaking engagements, right? Okay. Putting it on lockdown. Yeah. Cause I've got, I have to focus. I, and that's what they say, even with footballers, right? Sports people. There's certain things they don't do before a match. And I'm the same thing. Like if I have a training program the next day or speaking engagement, I need to be all in, mm -hmm. all in. So you know, we you know we make up for it at other times. But yeah, those times it's not. <laughs> You're happening. like when I come off stage, babe. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, if Michelle runs at the end of a speaking gig, you know she's you know been why. speaking a lot. <laughs> it's been a week of stages. Hubby needs her at home, okay? Exactly. Oh, dear. oh girls, the things we are learning. Uh, hashtag girl talk. Um, so what is, what is your third power tool? So my third power tool, I would say, is resilience. And I say that because I feel like I've been through a hell of a lot, especially with my ex-husband and all the things that happened with that and going to call and yeah, it was a ter most terrible time. Um, but that has really taught me how to be resilient, how to bounce back. And I'm seeing more and more in this entrepreneurial space is how to be resilient with rejections, mm -hmm. how to be resilient with relationships and how to just be resilient just in the sphere of business. You know, um, there's so much things that's happening in my life now that I'm just learning. How do I take a moment and don't get overwhelmed by this? And how do I bounce back from this person saying this about me or this person wants to take me to court about this? How do I do it? And how do I still show up with a smile on my face? For me, that is the art of resilience and still coming back for more. I'm coming back fighting every time. I love, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why I love that you're saying this, because I think often we see all the external shiny stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know of people whose businesses have almost been shut down. They're having mm. serious issues in their relationships. Yeah. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. The tax man's coming after them, yeah. the business partner's pissing them off. They've got this great Instagram following. But what you need to remember is when you have a lot of followers, you also have a lot of trolls. People right. who don't know you, yes. yeah, <laughs> ain't yeah. never met you. Mm -hmm. You know, their only passion in life is to come after you and, and yeah. say some shizzle and that's going to mess with your head. Of and, course. you know, I think there's something to be said. We, we want the glory, but we forget like the, the higher the pedestal, the harder the fall, unless you can understand how to yeah. manage that and process it yeah um i mean firing clients yeah, yeah i've had to fire clients i've had to fire team members you know i've split from business partners yeah, yeah you want to do it amicably yeah and it's as much as yeah. possible as like we don't really possible. want the aggro but sometimes there isn't another way like sometimes yeah. it's just gonna be you know let mm -hmm. it go move on and not attach too much of what happened yeah 
yeah. to making that mean something about you. I think it's so true what you're saying. And it's about, you know, and I, I, I'm like you, I'm a naturally nice person, you know? <laughs> and, and because I'm a naturally nice person, I hate doing things that just go against my value or being nice. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I'm thinking, part of this journey is actually doing things that you don't want to do. It's actually doing things that are not nice and being resilient enough to stand up and still get back on the horse and do it. And what I'll do, what I usually, my, 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 my process is, you know, if I have to do something I'm not happy doing, I do it, I say it, whatever, I get the backlash. And then I usually take, say, a couple of hours to about four hours. This is how timed it is, you know, between two hours and about four or five hours of gripe. I moan, I swear, I cuss, I carry on. I might ring a few people, cuss in. After them four or five hours, it's finished, you know? Yeah. And I will say to that person, don't come back and tell me. I don't care what you've got to say about me. I'm not in it. And that's, and that's my level of resilience. I've got to get back up and do but stuff. But it's having so, that moment yeah. to step away from it. You've got to step away, do what you need to do, cry, shout, scream, and back in the room. Back in the room. I think the other thing to remember is sometimes what's, what's the right thing to do isn't always going to be a nice thing to do. Mm -hmm. And we kind of think that in order for it to be right, it has to be nice. And it's not always nice. Like if you're paying somebody to do a job and they're not fulfilling that job, the right thing to do is to stop paying them because it's taking effort, time, money, energy. You know, somebody else is doing it twice now as a result of it. It's not effective for you to have that weight in your business, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have that many people. It's like 50% of the business or 30% of the business yeah. is ineffective because the role isn't being completely fulfilled. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you can work through it. And other times the right thing to do is to say, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and how they react, there's your stuff and there's their stuff. stuff. Right. And right. their stuff, girls, ain't none of your damn business. None. <laughs> none. <laughs> you got to leave it over there. Just like, yes. mm, okay. None of your business. None of my business. And that's their journey. It's, you know, there's no, the, what I've come to see is there is, it's never an accident that you two have come together in this yes, way. Yeah, before. Yeah. There's something for you to get and there's something for them to get. Yeah. And your only job is to take your learning from the situation. That's it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Whether they take theirs or not, how they react says more about them than it does about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, de and definitely that's what it is. It's about just knowing what that relationship was there for. Some mm. people are, you know, assigned to you for that period of time. And some people are aligned to you where you need them for, you know, for however long. And so I know now I put people in their categories and that works. And that's how I can deal with it better as well. That's a mic drop. Assigned versus aligned. Uh, yeah. They're assigned to you or aligned to you. Y'all heard it first from <laughs> Michelle. Now, if you're wanting more of Michelle's like insight, firstly, you may have heard of the GDPR thing. You're like, I'm so far behind the eight ball. Why didn't nobody tell me this? You're running a medium sized organization. And you're looking for some HR support or you're hearing about visibility and you struck a chord and you're like, girl, I need some of Michelle. How do people get hold of you? Where do they look? 
Uh, the first thing, I'm very active on social media. So that will be probably the first port of call is LinkedIn. You can find me under Michelle Raymond or The People's Partner. And the same thing on Facebook as well and Instagram, Michelle Raymond or The People's Partner. All of those links are in the show notes. Regardless of whether you're watching on YouTube or listening in the podcast, they're all in there. But we've told you them as well, anyhow. Now, before we wrap up, Mm -hmm. Michelle, what would you like to leave our guests with today? What is your parting (laughs) thought, your parting kernel of wisdom? Right. So I put something up recently and... Uh, it means so much to me and it really links with people who are employed or self-employed running their own business and visibility. And the quote says, you can't leave footprints in the world if you're tiptoeing through life. And for that, that, I just thought to myself, you know what, it's so true. You're tiptoeing because you don't want people to think that you're arrogant, that you're doing this again, and that you've got another client and you're speaking at another place. So you're tiptoeing to make everybody happy. But your purpose is to leave footprints in the world. So are you going to follow your purpose or are you going to follow people? So for me, that, 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 that message, I always make sure I read that because it's, I always work out my plan for the day. Am I going to be tiptoeing or am I going to leave footprints? That's, that's what my choice is every morning. And we've all got a choice. Wow, Michelle, thank you so much. I've got like goose pimples. I saw that quote when you posted it and I just think it's incredible. And it's a really great way for us to check in with ourselves and say, am I tiptoeing around? You know, is it time to put the big girl panties on and start leaving some serious footprints in the world? You have been listening to The Lavalda Show, Women of Power podcast. There's much, much more where this came from. We're only just getting warmed up. So if you have not yet hit that subscribe button, I'm wondering what's taking you so long. Do it now. Also, if you've been listening to the episodes up until now, you are loving this, then please do leave us a five-star review. By us, I mean me, myself, and I. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is like a one-woman show plus all of my guests. So please do leave all of us a five-star review. Until next time, go out there, leave your footprints. Let it be known that you are here.